So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. This is Adriana Linares coming to you from Lehigh, Utah today. Before we introduce today's topic, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University, a community dedicated to helping you build your very own solo law practice. Check it out at solopracticeuniversity.com. On our last episode, we talked to startup sage Jay Foomberg, who gave great advice about finding great clients, making sure you're picking clients that pay you, and generally some good ideas about getting started. Today's topic is staying the course when deciding to go solo, or as I read it, don't give up. Here to discuss the topic, we welcome Miss Susan Cartier-Lebel. She's a coaching consultant for solos and small firms who start their own law practice right out of law school. In 2001, she became an adjunct professor for Quinnipiac University School of Law, teaching law students how to start and grow their own law practice. In 2007, she took on consulting full-time and started the Build a Solo Practice LLC blog, which became the groundwork for her current entity, the Solo Practice University, which now teaches hundreds of attorneys how to become solo practitioners. She's written for Lawyers USA Weekly, the Connecticut Law Tribune, and Forbes.com. She's been featured on MSNBC and is a recipient of the Connecticut Law Tribune's Young Leaders in the Law. She's currently a member of the advisory board for Suffolk University Law School's Institute on Law Practice Technology and Innovation, as well as being a frequent speaker to law schools, bar associations, and professional organizations around the country. Welcome, Susan. And welcome to you. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're happy to have you on here. This is great. I'm excited to ask you a couple of questions about, you know, sort of motivating and staying the course and and not giving up uh, when it comes to becoming a solo. So, The question for you is, how do you advise your clients or just lawyers that you meet on a day-to-day basis to stay on course once they've made the commitment to go solo? Well, I think the reality is when you're doing this, you can get very excited about the whole concept of entrepreneurship and starting a solo practice. And, you know, you get ecstatic, you get frantic, you get giddy, you get fretful. But the thing is, once the decision is made, all of a sudden now you feel like you can't get started soon enough because you, you envision this you know, all these dreams of self-employment, autonomy, flexibility. Um, Once that happens, though, you get crazy. You start scouring the Internet for resources. You tell your friends, you're fantasizing. You're going to tell your boss, your coworkers, the whole nine yards. But the reality is, once you get into those first few weeks or even days, that initial euphoria starts to fade. You know, your energy dissipates and you start wondering, you know, did I make the right choice? Have I made the right decision? Because you can have a game plan in front of you and someone can lay out exactly what you need to do um, in order to, to accomplish it, you know, bookkeeping and use this practice management software and do this. But no one's really addressing your mindset. No one's really talking about the days and nights, the dips and the valleys, the, the kind of inner hysteria, you know, that happens. Um, and this idea that, okay, I might be giving up this, and I call it a false sense of security when it comes to being an employee versus what it really means to have a solo practice and what's involved in it. So you really have to talk to the mindset 
the idea, the motivations that you need. So what types of things should I say to my mindset? You know, how do I keep that excitement and that interest and that desire to keep rolling forward and really make this happen, happen? Do I talk to people like you? Do I talk to other solo practitioners? Do I go listen to Tony Robbins? (laughs) Tony Robbins and walk through fire. Um, Well, (laughs) here's what you really, what you need to do is you have to do multiple things to keep yourself motivated, especially if this is what you really want. And, you know, whether it's the class that I teach at Solo Practice University or just in general, when I've talked to people in the past, when I used to consult, there's a very important exercise that you need to do And that is you have to be able to envision where you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, but not just where you want to be professionally, but where you want to be personally. And this is not an exercise in fantasy. This isn't saying, you know, I want to land on the moon and I want to sip margaritas. This is creating a roadmap for yourself because if you don't know where you're going, How are you going to know if you've arrived? How are you even going to know how to get there? Because if you don't have a destination, you can't plot a course. And the destination can change, but you have to start somewhere. Because going solo is unlike working for another in ways you may not really have considered. It used to be historically, you know, you went to work, you got in the car, you went and got to a job, nine to five, came home, and you left your work at home. But we live in a very different world And today, if you're starting a solo practice, your personal and your professional life have to mesh seamlessly, whether you like it or not, because you are on 24-7. Now, this is not necessarily a bad thing, but what you have to wrap your head around is this. In order for it to work, there has to be little to no tension between your work life and your personal life. I'll give you a perfect example. Today we're on with technology, with our iPhones, with our iPads, with our computers. We're accessible through social media and everything else. Now, if you are in the process of building a business, you have to be accessible, but you have to be accessible in a way that is not abrasive or offensive to what you're looking to accomplish personally. So you have to be able to integrate this. So this is an example of being on 24-7. The way this gets done, therefore, is not changing who you are or what you want to achieve, but constructing a whole life that accepts who you are and respects where you want to go. Um, That may sound a little, you know, highfalutin, but that's not what I'm trying to say. It's you don't want to fight against who you are while you're creating a solo practice. You want your solo practice to work with who you are. I think that's great advice, and I'm a small business owner too, and I completely relate to what you're saying because running my small business is hard, but I absolutely love every single second of it. But I also take a lot of personal time to make sure that I don't forget that even though that is who I am, I still have this other part of my life that you know, I don't want it being run over, overtaken, or just being completely enveloped by my professional side, even though I do really like it. So let me ask you this. Do you give advice along the lines of if you're going to go solo, do it in a practice area that you're really interested in or passionate about? So I do a lot of um, speaking to high school graduates. You know, friends ask me to go talk to their kids' classes and what they should do as an adult. And, 
you know, and they all think that because I work with lawyers, I'm going to tell them to go be lawyers. And, you know, they'll ask me, what about being a lawyer? And I say, well, being a lawyer is really hard and it's not necessarily going to get easier. But if being a lawyer is something that sounds interesting to you, let's say you like um, kayaking, then become a lawyer who supports the kayaking industry or somehow works around kayaking if that's your passion. I'll give you an example. It's a little bit different than that. I'm going to give you two examples to make it a little clearer what I'm saying because you're on the right track, but it's a little bit different. For instance, when I was in, in teaching in law school, I had a student who was taking my class how to hang a shingle right out of law school. And part of that program was they had to develop a marketing plan, a whole business plan, basically laying out two years how they were going to tackle creating a solo practice. He said to me, ugh, now i got to put on a suit and i got to go into downtown Hartford and hang out in an office and it's the last place I want to be. I said, well, why do you think that's what you need to do? He goes, because it's not the way it's supposed to be. I said, no, not at all. I said, what do you do, what do, you do for fun? He goes, oh, on the weekends, I've got this great surfing community. You know, I love all my friends. They're my best friends. It's an awesome community. On the weekends, we go surfing. I said, so why do you think that I've got to be in downtown Hartford when everybody that knows, likes, and trusts you on the weekends are surfing? These are the people that are going to refer you business, your surfer buddies. This is where you find the greatest joy and where you're yourself, and it's natural, and it's easy for you to be in this community to cultivate clients why would you be in a downtown office in Hartford? He goes, well, I never thought about that. I said, you have to think about that. Solo practice is about a seamless integration of your work world and your professional life, and therefore you have two choices. Either you can represent people who surf, or you can have a community of surfers who refer you the business they need you to do, whether it's the DUI, whether it's the divorce, and from that, you pick the kind of work you want to do, but the fact is you're in a community of people that you want to serve. You've got this built-in base of people that already know, like, and trust you. So why do you have to put yourself in a downtown office in Hartford? And that was one example. The other example is I worked with someone who did trust and estates, and he was awesome at it. And at the time, this was years ago, he said, and I love to write, and we talked about starting a blog and everything, he said, I enjoyed it so much, this whole concept of blogging, that I created a separate blog called The Running Blog. I think it was The Running Blog. But the fact is, he talked about all things running, anything relating to the running community. He said from that, with a link to his professional blog, most of his business came through his running blog from his running community. So these are two examples of not separating yourself from the things you love, it works with your personal life, it works with your professional life, and it is, there's no tension, it's more seamless. From that, you can carve out an area of law that works for you that you are passionate about, like trust and estates or, or personal injury. But this is how, this is an example of what I'm talking about in terms of having a life that goes seamlessly 24-7 and it doesn't give you pressure and tension and it can work for you. And if this now meshes with your 5-year, 10-year, 15-year plan, it's even better because you're working towards something. This is the foundation that I'm talking about. That makes a lot of sense. Those examples are very helpful and certainly going to be helpful to our listeners. And just as a side note, Susan, I've dated a lot of surfers, and they're more likely to need an attorney's help with possession of marijuana than they are DUIs. So, Adriana, can I just say something? There's, there's something else more here, too. You have to be able to create an internal support system. 
We always look for external support systems, but you need to create an internal support system that's going to get you through a lot of the challenges you're going to face. You know, it's very easy to hear phrases and hear people talk about things that are going to fear in, feed into your fear and create a sense of defeatism before you've ever started. You need to create your own internal dialogue that's going to keep you going forward in spite of a lot of the negativity that you hear. And you also have to, be fi- have to find your own inspirations that are unflagging for you, things that work for you. And since I'm the kind of person that really likes to paint pictures, I bet you every single person can relate in some way to something that shocked them when they pushed themselves further than they thought they could. And if you'll indulge me here, I want to give another example because I just find examples really work. Years ago, you know, I went someplace just to kind of relax and veg out, and they had in the back the climbing tower, which a lot of corporations use to build teamwork and to, you know, build trust between team members. I didn't really have a team, but I wanted to try it. And one of the things that we had to do was we had to climb this tower. And I was determined that I was going to climb this tower. But as soon as I started climbing this tower, I kind of froze. And it freaked me out that I froze. And they said, just keep going. Push yourself, push yourself, push yourself. And I eventually got to just underneath the tower. And the tower itself had a platform. And no matter what I did, my time was up. I could not get myself over that tower because I didn't have the upper body strength. So they repelled me down and I came down and I felt defeated. I said, my God, I failed. I didn't make it. It was horrible. You know, I I just, I'm such a, I'm so disappointed with myself. And the coach said to me, really? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, let me ask you something. What were your expectations when you started this? I said, well, I was hoping to just get the first few steps. She goes, well, you got past the first few steps, didn't you? And I said, yeah. So why are you seeing yourself as a failure because you didn't do the top of the tower? The goal here is to constantly push yourself further than you thought you could go, and you have to just measure yourself against yourself. And that is a very important dialogue to internalize when you're taking the steps towards solo practice. If you're constantly comparing everyone else's outsides to your inside, it's a false comparison. You can't compare someone that's been out five years and doing something that you have no desire to do, but outwardly they're successful, to your journey into solo practice. And that's why I keep emphasizing the internal here, because all the law practice management software and and all the, the bells and whistles don't mean anything. And even a structure doesn't mean anything until you've worked on yourself and getting yourself mentally to where you need to be to take on this this challenge. I agree with you completely. And I think it is really hard to find that internal motivation or just figure out where to find it and then how to keep it pushing. But it certainly isn't impossible. Well, before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University, the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors, what are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today.
Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Susan Cartier-Liebel, the founder of Solo Practice University. Before the break, Susan was really encouraging us to make sure that when it comes to staying motivated and staying on course, that there's an important integration of personal and professional life that you've got to figure out how to find and get to so that you don't give up. So, Susan, I have another question for you that comes to, you know, you mentioned your students who were surfers and they liked going surfing. And then you mentioned, you know, they have these personal habits. And we think of the word habit and we kind of think that it's negative sometimes. I think of those habits of, you know, taking a break to go do the things that make your life enjoyable and fun as good habits. What advice do you have for attorneys breaking bad habits or making new habits that are geared toward finding this internal motivation and then, of course, toward their ultimate success? Well, we all have bad habits, and we all want to break bad habits. It doesn't matter whether you eat too much, you smoke, whatever. But when you have bad habits that stop you from achieving a goal, and in this instance, solo practice, you really do have to replace them with new habits which are geared towards you achieving success. Now, we've all heard it before. You need a timeline that you need to adhere to. Because a goal without a plan and a timeline for achievement, as you've heard before, is just a dream. We all have dreams. But you have to have real goals with action steps that create a bridge between where you are today and where you want to go. So if you have a goal for a solo practice, it's time to create that bridge. But there is yet one more important ingredient. You have to stay focused on the end game. And this is where people get confused and they fall off the path. The end game is not solo practice in and of itself. The end game is achieving the dreams that solo practice promises. So if you say you want to go into solo practice because you want more time with the family, you want to make your own schedule, or you want to build that empire, or whatever it is that solo practice means to you, that's what matters. That's what you have to stay focused on, the end gratification. Because if you don't stay focused on that end gratification, it's going to be harder for you to get through the processes. Because the processes and the negativity and the fears, those are the ones that can dishearten you and cause you to forget why you're doing this to begin with. So if you want to think of it this way, it's your carrot that's dangling at the end. So you have to think about your plans for the future because it provides a powerful way to stay motivated. Let me ask you, give us examples of three goals. Are the types of goals that a new solo should set this many new clients, this many build hours, this much time build after my first quarter? What are three good goals that we can give as examples to start with? Well, again, we're talking about the benefits of solo practice, the goals for what solo practice gives to them. If you're talking about business plans, that's part of the process. No, give us the personal, professional, non-business goal types, like the kind you're describing, helping me find my internal motivation. All right, so let's say you say to yourself, I don't, one of my goals is never to be dependent upon someone else for a paycheck ever again. So now you've got this goal out there, which then you work backward from and say, well, how am I going to achieve that? So if I have... X amount of clients coming in and I create a marketing funnel so that I'm never without clients, I will never have to be dependent upon someone else writing me a paycheck. So what happens is you're working backward and you're creating your business plan. 
And where your focused goal comes into play is on that day or that week or that month when the funnel of clients dries up and you hit panic mode and say, oh my gosh, where are the clients? What what am I going to do? Do I have to go work for someone else again? You go back to your goal and your goal was, I am never going to collect a paycheck from someone else again. That revs your engine up again. You figure out what you need to do, whether it's to change your marketing plan, whether it's to change your practice area, whether you have to pivot within your practice so that you continue to achieve your goal of never having to work for someone else again. That's the purpose of these types of goals. Because if you make your goal, I'm going to open a solo practice, there's no external motivation that keeps you moving through the challenges. That's right. why I wanted to differentiate the types of goals. So you can have good. the goal of, I never want to work for someone else again. My second goal is, I never want to ever have a reason not to go to my son's soccer game. The third goal might be, I want to be able, whenever, wherever, to go on those trips that are part of my personal missions in life, in my 5, 10, and 15 years. These types of goals are the ones that will help you through the dips and valleys of your practice and keep you motivated through the process when you're faced with your challenges. That's great. That's, that is very helpful. I always tend to focus on the business and that, you know, and, and I think a lot of us do because we're small business owners and it's hard. So those are, like you said, great examples to help really bring to light what you're trying to communicate. Before we run out of time, which I'm totally bummed out that they never give me enough time, I feel like I should be a lot like the Morning Joe show and have three hours, not just 30 minutes with guests. Um, tell me about Solo Practice University because as a trainer and as a person who educates attorneys and, and teaches them how to do stuff, I am very impressed and just in awe of Solo Practice University and your faculty and the classes that you all give. So how did that come about and I mean, it's so successful. It's amazing. Tell us a little bit about that because I love that website. Well, Solo Practice University is an example of me having goals and saying, these are the things I want to accomplish. How do I get there? And then having the same business goals of saying, how do I get there? And in turn, satisfying my goals that I wanted to achieve in life allowed me to create something that is helping others achieve their goals. Oh, I like the way I like the way you did that, Susan. The way you brought it right back home. <laughs> yeah, go on. But but the bottom line is, we don't learn in law school everything that we need to learn to come out and be solo practitioners. Um, as a matter of fact, within law school, they negate half of the value of your law license by claiming you can't do that. When that is basically how we all started. We all started as solo practitioners and entrepreneurs and self-employed people. So. It became an issue for me because this was something that in order to achieve my personal goals, I need to graduate law school and come out and start my own solo practice. And I did with two other new law students, um, new graduates. And the idea behind it was to create the practice of law school, the reality of once you're graduated, if you choose not to work for another or you are forced out of employment or you need to shift gears for whatever reason, there was a place where you could learn from A to Z the nuts and bolts of opening up your own practice, the 360-degree experience of running the business of a law practice. So the end result was Solo Practice University. Now, it may seem as if 
it was just an idea and poof, it appeared. But the concept, the passion, the structure was 18 years in the making because of my experience in, my own experience in law school and not getting what I needed to achieve my goals. So Solar Practice University has over 58 faculty members, over 1,000 individual classes, over a series of courses on the nuts and bolts of opening a law practice, whether it is understanding virtual law technology or how to open an immigration practice and everything in between, you're going to get it here, and it's continuing to grow as we keep adding more and more faculty because we're not a brick-and-mortar facility. We can add as many faculty as we like, have as many students as we want. It's available 24-7, so when you're opening your solo practice and you're busy during the day, you can tune in at you know 2 in the morning and learn everything you want about Social Security disability law. Um, it's a place that has mentors. It's a place that has a community because there are three inhibitors that I've discovered to opening a solo practice, and they're all based in fear. One is your malpractice suit waiting to happen. Two, you don't want to be by yourself. And three, there are no mentors and it's cost prohibitive. We disabuse you of those issues because it's not true. But psychologically, if you don't address the psychology behind it and provide a one-stop destination online to address all those needs, you're not going to go solo. So if you want to go, and this is a dream you have, or it's you're backing into it, we're an environment online where you can go and feel some kind of inspiration, security, and camaraderie with similarly situated people. I love it. I think it's awesome. Congratulations on building something so powerful and good. I'm really just, I think it's awesome. Anyway, I'm sad that it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Susan, it was so nice chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell our guests how they can stalk you on the internet. How they can stalk me? (laughs) Yeah. You can go to our website at solopracticeuniversity.com. We are on Twitter at Solo Practice U. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Solo Practice University and LinkedIn. So we're everywhere. You can find us everywhere and follow us. We've got a lot of free guest lectures you can listen to. We have, um, if you end up enrolling with us on an annual basis, we have for free CLEs. You can satisfy all your CLE and we're out there and we're welcoming. Join our newsletter. Any kind of information you want, we're happy to offer it up. Thank you, Susan. For all the listeners who'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit New Solo at LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also follow us on iTunes, on RSS, Twitter, and of course, Facebook. And that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.